Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, welcome uh, again. Uh, I'm Ben, I'm the lead pastor, and uh, it's been great having a couple weeks off, is preparing really for our next uh, message series, and as we move uh, towards Easter weekend as well. Our next message series is called Antisocial, and it's really looking at how to create community in a sometimes what is a disconnected world. How many of you have felt a little antisocial sometimes? Yeah, I, I did the other day, and I, I don't want to overshare. Pastors can overshare. Uh, but my wife did something really horrible. She did. She really, she did something horrible, so horrible. And then uh, as it went on, uh, she also started to do some things spiritually bad. She was leading this, uh, like this, bi- this pagan Bible study. And so it, it was really horrible. And then I woke up. <laughs> and I could, no, I'm serious. Like I've heard of this happening. Uh, I would never do anything. I woke up and I got to tell you, I was quite angry with her. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she, she said, why are you angry at me? It was only a dream. I said, yeah, but you could have done it. <laughs> and, you know, as I thought about that, uh, I'd like to tell you that didn't happen, but it really did. Uh, uh, you think of the crazy things that we think that we get engaged with that really doesn't matter. And so what I want to do, uh, especially sort of this week as we finish midwinter break, next week we have a new series. I, I, I believe, we've already seen it even during the break, God's going to bring a lot of new people around here, is to consider some things that really matter uh, in your life and mine and in our life together. Uh, today is uh, the two-year anniversary and really in in many ways concludes a vision initiative uh, that we did as a church. Uh, I'm not going to talk about all the particulars of that. We've done that uh, along the way. Uh, There are great successes or challenges, uh, but God used your intentionality and your generosity. It was called One Million Reasons. And uh, I sort of came up with the name based on the number of people in Seattle and the east side who are really disconnected from uh, Jesus or a church. I'm I'm talking Catholic, Protestant groups that probably, you know, aren't that really uh, believe the Bible that much, but really not Christmas, Easter, or ever. There's about a million people uh, who are pretty disconnected and actually really disconnected. And as a church... Uh, what, what drives us is those one million reasons. Because we believe uh, every person matters to God. And it's not just a number because behind every number there's a name. And behind every name there's a story. And it matter, matters incredibly to God. And, and you might uh, be here and you say, hey, I'm not a church person 
And uh, so, you know, this is sort of weird. You're talking about one of those people. And, and that's my story. Uh, I didn't grow up going to church, not Christmas, not Easter, not ever. The only time literally growing up I had been in a church before I was 16 years old uh, was a magic show, which really confused me. Uh, uh, so I, I, had ne- I had no experience whatsoever with this whole thing. Uh, but then, then I encountered Jesus, uh, and, and I'll share that story. I've shared, shared it before. I'll share it another time. That was transformational. If, if you're new around here, uh, new, or maybe in the last few months, you might wonder, hey, what kind of church is? It can be confusing because uh, of who we are. We, we believe that God is for you and not against you. We believe that the Bible is relevant and true, even the parts that we disagree with. We believe that there should be a low shame level because Jesus, when he went to the cross, there is, it, the Bible tells us there's nothing that can separate us from God. You may think it, you may disagree with God, but God is right. There's your worst moment, your worst sin. If you'll bring it to God, there's nothing that can separate us. We believe that uh, God wants us to really live life at its best. This is not heaven, but we can have a little bit of heaven now. That we can uh, follow God's path and principles and it makes a difference. We believe that marriages can be put back together that unsolvable problems can be solved, that we can expect life change, that everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible with God. We believe that we can be set free from those things that bind us. And it doesn't matter whether you're new to Christianity or you've been a a follower of Jesus for a long time. And so what I want to do, this is not a reset, this is a reminder for us, but it's going to be more than that as we look, I'm going to look primarily at at one chapter in the Bible, Jeremiah 29 today, as how we engage individually and as a church in our world. Now, there's a lot of caricature of, of church. In fact, it was sort of interesting uh, today, I, I had the opportunity to be part of uh, a memorial service. Great family. I mean, one of the, uh, one of the families we've gotten to know personally and we love uh, deeply at this church. They lost a son and uh, how God brought comfort in the midst of uh, great tragedy. And it's at those moments that there's, there's, we, we really understand what we believe matters. Well, Jesus, as he looked at people, uh, it's interesting that that the caricature sometimes we get in society of Jesus is just not true to the scripture. If you'll take your outlines out of your program, we read this. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. If you, if you have a pen, will you do me a favor? Will, if you're taking notes, will you underline had compassion on them? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus, uh, as, as he was looking out at people, uh, he saw 
people who had broken hearts, who had broken marriages, who had uh, success but no significance. And every one of them mattered to him then and matters to him now. Then he said to his disciples, and this really gets to uh, our assignment. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God says, I have a plan for this world, and this plan is really you and me. That God would work through people like you and me to make a difference. The problem with uh, some of us is how we view our world. Especially if those, like my, my guess is that most of the people here, you were raised in a religious or a church environment. And uh, unlike me, and if you were, sometimes we can be taught to engage the world uh, in a way that's not necessarily uh, biblical. Uh, H. Reinhold Niebuhr, he wrote a book uh, many years ago. He's a great theologian, and it was called uh, Christ and Culture. And in this book, it's a, a theological treatise, which I'm not going to go into in any depth uh, today because uh, this is probably not the venue for it. But he really does a good job under, uh, looking biblically at how we engage the world around us. Uh, there's different views of how people and how Christian people and non-Christian people engage our world. Uh, one viewpoint is, uh, it's a big bad world. It's a big bad world. You know, we need to just stay away from bad people. Don't smoke or chew or, or go with girls that do. You know, sort of, that's sort of how it is. Uh, the idea is that sin is contagious. And so you got to stay away from bad people. But here's the problem. Do you know where the bad people are? They're sitting next to you. You are them. <laughs> yeah, and, and the funny thing is, and, and you even see this, and not, I, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, you have these, you know, these groups that'll isolate themselves. Uh, and the problem is they bring their problems with them. Uh, when we, and I sort of get this, that you want, I, I mean, I remember my daughters are now uh, both in college. I remember when, uh, you, you know, they were growing up, and I'm like, I want to keep them from, well, primarily boys is what I wanted to keep them from. And I'm like, I, I you know, I want to isolate them. But the funny thing is, is that when we isolate, we never develop any strength. Uh, and we never make a difference. One of the things that our church uh, that if you're saying, hey, I want you to hand out leaflets about this cause or that, and I don't care if it's liberal, conservative, or in between, the answer is always a hard no, never, no, ever. Uh, why? Because we don't make any big, we're not a church that wants to make a point. We're a church that wants to make a difference. And often the people who make the most points make the least difference. And so what we want to do is say, God, how would you use us to raise the spiritual temperature of the region to help people understand that there's a great way to live, and that's life with you? There's another viewpoint, is that God likes people like us. You know, that God thinks like us, he 
you know, votes like us. And uh, I know that's hard for you to get your mind around because I know that God would like everything I do, right? No, God actually confronts. Uh, and uh, I've seen so many people, especially on the political stuff, it's okay to get politically involved. If that becomes bigger than God, that's called an idol, by the way. Because I've been around uh, a long time, and there's never, uh, in fact, even in Jesus' day, they wanted him to bring a political solution to a spiritual problem. And he knew that really uh, what happened, the change is in our heart. Uh, and then there's uh, the third thought, is that only spiritual stuff matters. That, uh, you know, this is a view that uh, re- really goes back to the Bible. There, there were people called Gnostics. They believed that there was just a spiritual world, and so whatever happened in our everyday world didn't matter. And, and we find this in Eastern religions. Uh, it's not completely true, but more you would find in, in uh, uh, some Buddhism and and related faiths. The Bible says that this world actually matters a lot. That the people around you matter. The community you live in matters. That, that our spirituality, yes, there is heaven. And I believe heaven is a real place. And, but God wants to work here and now in our life. See, oftentimes, uh, now I don't get this hardly much anymore. Uh, I'd get people, especially when, uh, uh, when I first came here around 10 years ago and we started to experience some growth as a church. We went, you know, we went from one to two services. It was amazing. And, uh, and people are like, oh, I like what's happening, but, uh, you know, I, I really want you to get to the deep stuff. And what they mean by deep is confusing. And so, yeah, the idea is if you confuse me, somehow I'll feel more spiritual. Uh, and, and I don't want to, you know, I can do that. I have an earned master's, an earned doctorate, have taught at seminaries. I, I can actually confuse you. Some of you say, Ben, you already do it. You don't need to try. Uh, uh, and not to be arrogant, but, but I really can do that. But I just don't believe it's transformational. It, it's just like, it's sort of uh, our mission in the world. If someone's drowning, if they're drowning, they don't want to know the Greek word for life raft. (laughs) They just want you to give them one. And see, that's what we're about. That's the mission that we have. Another viewpoint, and I would argue this is sort of the biblical viewpoint, is it's complicated. Uh, Niebuhr calls this Christ and culture in paradox. And I was thinking about this. It's the idea that we strive for meaningful impact and change. We know we're not in heaven yet, but we know we can make a difference. And it is complicated. All I have to do is I think of our last Christmas Eve service. If you've never been here at Christmas Eve, you probably won't be after I tell you this story. Because here on our Redmond campus, we had, I forgot, six, 7,000 or so people coming around campus. And it gets messy around here. 
we were in the, in, over in the main auditorium at the campus, and we, we asked people to do things. None of, you people don't listen to us. I don't know what's wrong with you. So we say, you're in the balcony. Hey, be careful. Don't set the coffee on the ledge. Someone set coffee on the ledge. Guess what happened? It fell. It fell on the person. And you might say, oh, wait, what did they say? I don't know. We've never seen them again. Uh, uh, it gets messy. We try to do things, you know, a little touch of tradition. We did candle lighting service. We say, be careful with it. Someone gave it to their little kid. There was a grandma in front of her. She set the grandma's hair on fire. Now, fortunately, it was her grandma. Otherwise, it would be Channel 13, News at 6, you know. Uh, it gets messy around here. There was actually, uh, uh, I, don't, it, it, I don't know who you are, so I don't know if this was you. I heard one of the staff people said, uh, hey, uh, there was a fight. A couple was having a fight the other day right in the church. And I said, only one? That's a good weekend. <laughs> In, in the last couple of weeks, I took off, and, and I also heard someone who said, you know, came four years ago from China, and, and definitely not, I mean, you know, definitely an atheist didn't believe anything. And if you would have told me I would be a Christian today, I would have never believed you. I talked to another couple, and they're uh, a little older than this gentleman. He was, they're probably in their 40s. And they said, yeah, we've never done this church thing in our adult life but somehow we feel like this is starting to make sense I heard of someone who's baptized because they're going back you know we have a people from all over the world at our church they're going back to a country where that it, Christian baptism is not something that really can be done they said I, I, I want to do that I want to identify with Jesus Christ we believe it matters we believe messy is worth it. And, and when we get a hold of God's purpose together, it makes a huge difference. But see, here, here's the thing. I, I get this. is Because sometimes what we'll try to do is we'll get this little Christian cloister. And, I, and I, here's what I call it. Because, you know, like I said, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't raised in church. I call it a largest share of a dying market church where we all affirm each other, or unless we, we engage with our culture and our society and say, you know, if God is involved, it makes a difference. Uh, it really does. Well, this is a situation that the nation of Israel found their, themselves in. And there were all sorts of competing voices. There were those who were saying, hey, don't, don't get involved in society. Don't try to make a difference. Don't, don't be involved with these people. And then there was really the, the prophet Jeremiah speaking uh, for God, and he said something quite different. And so uh, if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just go through this. Well, actually, if you do mind, it doesn't matter because I have the mic. But the, uh, <laughs> just saying. So, but I, I, I want to go through this chapter of the Bible and see how it is so instructive for us in our life. So if you'll take out your notes or look up on the screen, it says this. Uh, this is the text of the letter of the prophet uh, Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem 
to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. See, the situation is that uh, a catastrophe had happened to the nation of Israel. They said, hey God, uh, we want to live life without you. And you know what? God didn't cause anything to happen. He just said, okay, I'm going to let you live without my protection. It didn't work out for him. Because just like today, there were a very small nation surrounded by a bunch of people who didn't like them very much. And they were taken into captivity, into Babylon. If you ever really study ancient Near East studies, this is not just Christian. Babylonians were actually uh, brilliant. What they would do is they would take a population when they took over a nation and they'd take the leadership, they'd take them to Babylon uh, and they wouldn't make them, uh, you know, uh, servants or slaves for the most part. Uh, they would actually welcome them into the culture and say, and they try to make them fully Babylonian. And so the problem was, is how would they remain faithful to God in this culture? And so we see in verse 4, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And what God is basically saying is, how to do something that matters. How to make a difference, as I say, without being weird. How to live according to God's plan and purpose. By the way, I got a little carried away. I don't always look at my notes. Uh, uh, Shane was, Pastor Shane was worried about this weekend. He said, you haven't preached much, so keep it short. Uh, so the... Um, and so I will listen, because he's, Pastor Shane's sort of scary, by the way. The, uh, uh, but we talked about one million reasons. Many of you were involved that for, for, uh, for you, you gave and you sacrificed, and there are lots of people in heaven, uh, and whether that's you or it's just someone around you, can we give them a hand? Can we do that? So how do we do that? I, I, I want to look at how, how we make a difference. Number one, let God speak through your life. And, and what I'm not talking about here is often, uh, you'll find this in some streams of Christianity that says, uh, just be a good person and you don't have to tell anyone about Jesus. That's totally, that is not what the Bible says. Even if you said it, I don't want to judge you, but I'm just telling you the scripture does not say that. It says the opposite. But I do believe that good works, they open up goodwill to the good news of what uh, God has done through Jesus Christ. Uh, so when I talk about speaking through your life, I, I'm not talking about the other extreme that you get up on, uh, you know, one of the food courts and lunch tables at Microsoft and, and just say, excuse me everyone, want to tell you about Jesus right now, because uh, that would not be a good thing uh, for your witness or your employment. <laughs> what I'm talking about is being authentically you and faithful to God. With the prophet Jeremiah, he, he puts it this way. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. What he's saying is build a life and find success. 
Now, now I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, if you love Jesus, you know, the whole make Jesus your choice and you'll drive a Rolls Royce. I don't believe that. Uh, but I do believe that when we operate a God's, God's plan and principles is that oftentimes our life, our life is blessed. We do find success in our marriages, our parenting, yes, even our finances. God doesn't owe us any of that. We just start to build a life and then... Uh, it's uh, something people want to ask questions about. It's also how we get an opportunity. It means that we engage with the people around us. You might be in a job right now that you hate. If you're the average, per, if this is an average room, a third of you want to quit your job right now at least. And that may be low. <laughs> but here's the deal. As long as you're there, why don't you, why don't you be awesome for every minute you're there? You say, well, I don't feel about it. They haven't treated me well. You know what? Who cares? Why don't you say, I'm going to honor Jesus Christ by being the best I can be there. And still, I'm not, I mean, still go on, you know, Indeed or Monster.com. But, but just for this moment, build a life. See, if we always delay the moment we build a life, if we always delay happiness, we never live that life God wanted. And, and, and see, part of this, it leads to number two, is seek God's best for the community. And this uh, can be hard because we can be uh, selfish. It means the city you're in, the job you're in, the family you're in, the school you're in, even the homeowners association you're in. God wants to help you. Um, I was uh, at, at a conference and I was waking up, and I woke up to a voice, which is weird. Usually, I wake up to an alarm, and uh, and and so I w wake up to this voice, and I'm sort of like groggy, and I hear, "Hey, sweetie, hey, baby, look at me," and I'm thinking Terry is in a good mood today. <laughs> and he, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Anyway, that was too much information. I'm sorry, but. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> oh. asking it shall be given unto you know the but the uh, uh, I realized my wife was not with me, which by the way is not as bad as it sounds, because there was no one in the room but me. It was some lady talking to an actual baby, who had woke me up, and all of a sudden my really good mood turned really sour at that moment. Because oftentimes I think about what's in it for me. Here's what uh, it says in Jeremiah 29, 7. And also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Isn't that interesting? This is a place of their exile. And God's saying, why don't you seek to have that be a great place? That's, that rubs against our nature. That's part of God's plan. He says, pray to the Lord for it. That God has an assignment for us, even in the most difficult places in our life. You have to understand, this was a place of exile. And God says, you will be blessed when you seek their best. And he says, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You might think, okay, uh, 
but what if the place I'm working is not a great place? What if my family is difficult? God says, go ahead and pray for them too. Go ahead and seek their best. Even in the difficulties. That's number three. Recognize that God often works best in your setbacks. Now, God may not cause your setback, but there's something like a, a difficult moment that opens us up to God in a way that we may not otherwise be open to God. See, God wants to take what happens to you to do his work in you so he can do his work through you. Here's what we read uh, in Jeremiah 29, 10 through 11. It says, this is what the Lord says. Uh, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And then this is a verse that, if you've been around church for a while, you may have heard this verse. But you didn't know the context was a real difficult season. And God says, in the middle of that difficult season, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I think what God spoke then, God wants to speak to us today, and his plan has not changed. My guess is that most of you know that uh, uh, Reverend Billy Graham uh, died this week. Uh, he was 99 years old, uh, an amazing life. I was uh, coming across some of the statistics. It was estimated that he spoke live to 215 million people, plus those who would watch on television and radio. He had a great radio ministry for years. He met with every president, uh, Republican or Democrat. He met with them all. Uh, he actually was uh, an interesting person. He was, he was not uh, political, but he was very controversial in some ways. When he first did his gatherings, he insisted that every Christian group, Catholic or Protestant, come together. And some people didn't like that. He said, I'm going to you know, just preach about Jesus, and I don't care what your denominational label, uh, that I want you to come. And uh, he also uh, was the first one who had large desegregated meetings. 20 years before our country was desegregated, he refused to ever have uh, a, a rally that would not be open to people of uh, not only different denominations, but different races. And in fact, uh, in South Africa, they had wanted him to come for years. And long before apartheid ended, he, he refused to come because he, he said, this is uh, the requirement. And in 1973, uh, before apartheid ended, he said, Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. I reject any creed based on hate. Christianity is not a mo white man's religion. Don't, any, don't let anybody tell you that, that it's white or black. He had a simple message and that, that's, there's amazing hope. In fact, there's, I, I wanted to show you a little clip uh, from one of the, the last messages he gave uh, before he passed away. Take a look at this.
As I look back over my life, it's full of surprises. I never thought I would become friends with people in different countries all over the world. I see how God's hand guided me. When I began preaching many years ago, it was not with any thoughts that I'd be preaching to large audiences. Come to the cross. His gospel is for everyone. God has done this. Christ is alive. Modern America today, there is a vacuum of the soul. Our country's in great need of a spiritual awakening. Well, there have been times that I've wept as I've gone from city to city and I've seen how far people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there's only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. There is a way if you come by the way of the cross. The cross, the cross. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross. Not the cross that hangs on a wall or around someone's neck. We receive our freedom purchased by the ransom at the cross. But the real cross of Christ. The cross expresses the great love of God for man. It's scarred and bloodstained. His was a rugged cross. His real purpose for coming was to die. I know that many will react to this message, but it is the truth. And with all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth. God says, I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. And he loves you, willing to forgive you of all your sins. I look out across an audience when I stand up to preach, and I think of all the people with their different backgrounds and their various needs. And I know that they are objects of God's mighty love. I, as I was thinking about his life and legacy, I was thinking about the mission that we have together. And uh, like I said, this next season is we'll start to welcome in a lot of people. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to make that your personal mission too. That uh, you may say, hey, I'm not someone who can talk about my faith. That just is hard for me. Hey, I get that. But as a church in this season, we're, we're praying just for the opportunity. Uh, this is not about growing. the God is growing our church. That's awesome. This is about transformation because of what only Jesus can do. So I'm encouraging you in your programs. I think there's opportunities to invite, pro opportunities to serve. Uh, we're praying that this will be the greatest season. And it's not about big numbers it's about big stories of life change but 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 it's not it doesn't start with our mission we need to remember number four that it, rem, uh, it starts with a personal decision Billy Graham always uh, pointed uh, people to Jesus because he knew that uh, the only change in society starts with our heart we read God's promise if you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. So I'm always cognizant, because this is sort of uh, one of those messages where it, I always call it a little more family business. 
I want to challenge us to, to pray, to serve, to invite, to invest, not just here at our church. I think God will primarily through our church, but it'll be in other ways. But remember, it's about each one of us experiencing that hope in Jesus. I got to tell you, I am overwhelmed of hearing story after story of people who've experienced that life change. That there's a, a couple I, I had heard, sort of it was a big thing in the news, uh, a tragedy uh, that had actually happened to them, and uh, a dad and a son, and they'd actually started coming to the church, and the mom was pretty resistant to anything to do uh, with Jesus. But it's funny, out of that difficult moment, uh, there was incredible life transformation. So I want you to hear uh, Ken and Jackie's story. I grew up mainly in Redmond. We came here when I was in junior high. I never connected with the church, and I honestly never connected with God. I was missing something in my life, um, but I never knew what it was. I attended, like most people, I guess, uh, who are trying to find their way. You do the Easter's, you do the Christmases, you do the special occasions. Taylor, my son, uh, came with us on a Saturday night service. We had made a commitment with each other that we were going to start being regular followers of God at Timberlake Church, and that was something that was done between Taylor and I. My son Taylor died two and a half years ago. He went to go to our shop to exchange trucks. He was cleaning our work truck and he was gonna go pick up his truck. And about 9 p.m. that night is when the accident happened. That was August 24th of 2014. It was a head-on collision. He was killed instantly on 202. Everything we had planned was about Taylor. You know, he was gonna graduate from high school, he was gonna go to college, and he was gonna run the business, and he had all these plans, we had all these plans. And all of a sudden, it was like, now what, now what do we do? When Taylor passed away, got more involved with the church and then uh, and I was really hoping that his mother would take him So I humored him and I came, listened to Ben and I thought, okay, I'm you know, um, I'll I'll listen and I I actually remember leaving going, okay that wasn't so bad. <laughs> when we started coming I'd, I'd say it was probably about six months later that I really feel that I started to believe and I started to put my faith in God, um, started talking to God, praying to God. I find a peace um, that I, I had never felt and that to know that I'm, I'm never alone. I know that I can always turn to God. And with my arms wide open, I, I can say, hey, and I, and I envision God, and I'm asking for the love and the peace that he needs to bring into my soul. Jesus is always there with me, and, I, and, and that brings me peace, definitely.
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.